listener to the Creating Living and Making Projects podcast. I'm your host, Adam Mackey, and joining me as always is a Grant Alexander and Molly Kurt. Good day, guys. How have we been the last week? Good, good. Awesome. Good, good. I have a question for you. What mm-hmm. is the oldest tool that you own? Ooh, this is fun. Mm, I'll, I'll start with oldest to me because that's easier to remember. I feel like there was a selection of tools that my dad and grandpa gave me. Like, I don't know. Do you guys have those tools that like were given to you as gifts and you kind of like cherish them because it was from the very beginning? So like I have a, I have a, uh, a hammer that my dad gave me. I have my old circular saw that I probably don't need anymore, but I still keep around because I'm like, if ever I need a cordless circular saw to cut through <laughs> some really bulky stuff. Um, actually, one of my favorite tools I have are uh, these, I don't know what these cutters are called. They're not quite side, side cutters. cutters. Are they side cutters? They look like side cutters. So when I was like 11 years old, my grandpa brought bought me a model kit for for some holiday. And uh, I was assembling it at his house and he gave me these to borrow to put it together. And I, I was like, oh, these are like the best tool ever. Like you can cut so close to the, mm. the edge of where it's all held together. And then he's like, well, you can keep them if you want. And I was so excited and like, I've kept, I think these actually might be the oldest thing I have. We, uh, when I worked at the hobby shop, we sold those, we called them side cutters, but they're, they're really not They're There's something else. They're very close to a side cutter. Just to cut the tabs off the plastic bits here. I always call these side cutters. This is great audio content, by the way, but these, (laughs) these, I always call side cutters. I don't know. Like these are definitely like more for wire. Uh, Maybe we sold them in the, just for that, and we sold ones that were twenty dollars. So, I'm sure they weren't for cutting wire. I have side cutters are for cutting wire. I don't know, mm-hmm. but that's very interesting. What's your oldest year wise, or do you need to think about that? I need I need to think about it if you want to go. So I think like the oldest one that I can think of off the top of my head is I have like a number seven plane. Which is like a, like I don't know, two foot long plane, um, and I think it's from the eighteen hundreds. Uh, cool. And the oldest power tool that I can recall is probably my bandsaw. It's nineteen nineteen thirty nine or nineteen forty six. It's either right before the war or right after the war. I can't remember. Hmm. Um, I just looked it up. So they they're called angled side cutters. Uh, angled side cutters. Yeah. There you go. Of yeah. course. Um, my oldest tool, I don't know how old they are. They're about 1800s as well. I've got about 10 hand planes downstairs that my granddad gave me. Oh, cool. Um, and I've got about six hand saws, which like they've all seen better days. They're all rusted and, and pretty much unusable. But um, yeah, I've got all those down there. Maybe I'll restore them one day. But it's the only really sentimental thing I have. And then power tool wise, I don't have anything old. Well, old power tools just are worse <laughs> for the most I just, part. Like I just I'm thinking like handheld know. tools, like aside from you know big stationary machines, but like drills yeah. and circular saws and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, even like as soon as I got Ryobi stuff, like the the old corded drill and stuff went in the bin. So thinking about it, I don't think I have any old tools to the level that you guys do. I think I think everything I have that's like quote old are things that my dad gave me throughout the years when I like, I remember like for one holiday, he bought me a toolbox and then I gradually started filling it with tools that he would give me. And it's just a lot of like old screwdrivers and stuff. Like probably from the eighties would be the oldest, but I don't really think anything older than that. Really? That's crazy. Because you with such a sentimental and character, <laughs> I would think you would have like an older like hand saw or like a, yeah. a Japanese pull saw that used to be your grandfather's or something. I don't know. Mm. Well, I mean, that's a whole, when my grandpa died, um, all of their possessions was a very dramatic situation because there was some pretty intense family drama going on at the time. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I got nothing from his life. I would have loved to, but that was not an option at the time. Um, but it's funny, like I've never really been into like flea markets or antique shops very much. 
like I get, I guess I get sentimental about like certain things, but like, yeah, I've never really like bought real antiques. I think the thing, the old things that I'm sentimental about were because like a family member had them or I've had them for a while. I love the thought of them, but I don't buy them. I think there's a lot, there's some older tools that have kind of lost their, like we've forgotten how good some of the older tools were. Yeah. Because a new fancy new tool came along and took its place, but it's actually not better. Um, You know, when I think about stuff like a router plane is one of those things that it seems like everyone should have one in their, anyone who does any yeah, woodworking should have cool. one. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. Well, even a hand plane in general. Right. Like a, a, a dialed in sharp hand plane yeah. is one of the best tools you can have. Like Totally. Yeah. Which is actually interesting because that's the reason I asked is I wanted to talk about how tools have progressed over time. Um, I think hand plane is actually a great place to start with that. So, I mean, before hand planes, I don't, I don't even know what they would have had, to be honest. Chisels. Chisels, yeah. So, chisel to hand plane, and then now we're up to electric planes. Well, electric hand planes, and then tabletop planers. And, and I guess CNC would be the extension of those. Well, CNC, I see more of a router upgrade. But it's it's a tool for flattening, which a plane is. It can be. So it's a sander. Yeah. Well, but, when we want to talk about big giant sanders, there's like those giant belts, like Jimmy Dresta has one that's yeah. like a skip belt sander that like you mm. only push the pressure down where you need it instead of like you put the project underneath the belt instead yeah. of oh putting the God, project on the thing. That, that thing's wild. Mm, yeah. 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 The T.S. Wandel's got one of them in his like father's old shop too. But mm. it's, it's, it's interesting to see like where things have come. Like everything, screwdriver would have started with a flat piece of metal, like a mm-hmm. flathead screwdriver, and Phillips come along or whatever, and then now we're up to like electric drills. So it's crazy. So yeah, I'm interested. To, I'm interested to talk about like where tools have come from and where we see them going, or where we where we think they could advance to, because like a drill seems like it's at the at the end of its sort of cycle, but there's got to be more there. Yeah, I mean, if, sh- if you go off what, like, the big tool companies are sort of plugging on their website, there seems to be, across all of them, like, a lot of emphasis on lighter batteries that hold more power that run for longer. Like, it, it really seems to be all about the batteries for them right now, making it's, things well, smaller. It's It's been said a thousand times, but all these companies, they're battery companies that sell tools. Yeah, right. I disagree, but we won't get into that because that has nothing to do with this. Uh so when I when I think about it, I think about looking at the hobby industry because the hobby industry generally gets these technologies ahead of time. Like lithium batteries were in the yeah. hobby industry flying RC airplanes well before anyone had ever pondered one being in a drill, like, mm. like at least a decade. Uh, brushless motors was another thing. Like that was huge in the hobby industry well before they put them in drills. Yeah. But... Uh, when I think about the hobby industry now, I don't think I don't see any innovation right now on that that is game changing like the brushless and lithium. Yeah, other than adding features and stuff, I mean, like my my Ryobi drill downstairs. My first one I ever had was just you know on off, and then like the hammer switch or whatever it is, and then the one to ten. And now it's got all this. My new one's got all this like. E talk or X talk or whatever it's called, and it like it'll you drill in a screw, and it will match that depth like constantly. It knows where to stop drilling. Hmm. So, Grant, in the hobby industry, one of the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the ways I see the modern hobby industry is the way that drones and FPV drones have become so big. And a big thing around that is using laser cutters and 3D printers to like design you and make your own chassis. So, I mean, and I think like you were saying, them being harbinger, that industry being a harbinger of like greater innovation. I mean, I think people were making, that was one of the first thoughts I thought of for a 3D printer was making a 3D printed drone parts 
because I think that was a that is an open source project has been around for a good while. Have you seen the Have you seen the three D printer that prints boats, like full size boats? No, <laughs> maybe in a video. It's like literally like the size of a warehouse, and it prints boats. Cool. Yeah. Um. To to answer about the drone thing is. I always think it's interesting that people talk about drones as if drones have remote controlled helicopters haven't been around for decades. <laughs> yeah, right? it's not what like I said. as soon as they started, they just started calling them drones when they right before they called them drones, they were called quadcopters. I was about to say, yeah. which is probably a more, which is definitely a more accurate term because they're not the right. ones people buy and use aren't drones; they're quadcopters. I think I think yeah. the term drone comes to having like the camera and stuff. No, that's not how it got adopted though okay. i agree when it comes to an actual drone it's like the first person like first person view ones with the camera and you have like a remote that has a camera that you're flying around that's when you're getting into drone but they basically any quadcopter they were calling uh, a drone um right. but people have been flying them and designing them and making instead of 3d printing stuff they either made them out of balsa wood and uh, you know, reinforce them with fiberglass, depending on, you know, what they needed, or they made them out of carbon fiber. You know, people were doing stuff like that in the past. I think 3D printing just allows you to do it, like break it and fix it without any, like you break it, you press a button on your printer because you've already designed that part because that the parts were always the problem. Because people would you you you're going to you're going to have a smash landing you're going to crash it to bits and then you're going to come into the hobby store and we have the parts on this we used to back when hobby stores existed uh, before the online world took it over you'd have all the parts on the on the wall and people would come in go oh I broke a you know I broke an arm oh here it is right but once you get into the three printed world it was all about I can fix my own one so it's even hmm. not designing it. As much. Yeah. No, there's designers, I mean, of course. The design part is a huge barrier. Um, I think one of the ways you, you can look at like, where's the future going is like, what are kids now doing? And mm-hmm. talking to the kids in my woodworking class who are mostly around 12 years old, um, a lot of them are getting 3D printers. A lot of them have like gotten them recently for gifts. And I'm like, oh, like, what have you printed? He's like, I printed this, I printed this, I printed this, I printed this. Do you think I can use a silicone filament to make wheels? Like, they have all these ideas and the ability to make these things. Um, whereas like when I was their age, I probably would be like cobbling it together with hot glue and pencils and chopsticks and other things. But the design part is even for adults, I think the biggest barrier, like I'm amazed. Like I, I post like the caliper holders on the functional printing subreddit, which is a place where you would think like people probably know how to design things to be 3D printed. But for the most part, taking it by the comments, a lot of people have no idea how to do any 3D modeling. Um, And it's still like, I mean, I don't really, it seems like it's the minimum barrier to entry to actually like do any original creative stuff to be able to 3D model stuff. So with a 3D printer. When we thought about this, uh, topic. The only thing that came to my mind was in the future, I want to be able to close my eyes, imagine the model, and have it designed. Right, in brain. right, mm-hmm. right into that is the the future. Is that the only thing? Is right now? Like, there's obviously I can think up a million different things, but I'm not good at fusion. I'm not good at SketchUp. I can't turn it into a 3D model very quickly so i end up with the amount of time i have i don't spend it doing that but if i could just think it up and then go okay i want it to fit around my calipers and i like even if i only had to feed it a couple measurements but it did the rest of them without oh yeah for sure keyboard i mean if 3d printers aren't just a trend if they keep becoming more and more ingrained in our lives I a hundred percent see that becoming a reality. Some co- like, you know, you on your iPhone now, probably on Android phones as well. I'm not sure. Cause I don't have one. They have like the measurement app. It's like an augmented reality app where you can tap to. I still don't trust. 
in a video and it's accurate to within like a 16th of an inch if you're in good lighting and, and pretty close. And that technology is only going to keep getting better. 3D scanners already exist. So with a better user interface and like work put in to make 3D modeling more um, approachable, I'm sure that will happen. Yeah, I definitely see that coming first. Like 3D printers have gotten so popular now. I can see 3D scanning becoming a, a big thing next. Yeah, I mean, 3D scanning, like you can you can buy a 3D scanner, you can 3D scan something, it will be the right size. It's just that it's messy. Like you get this mesh body yeah. that might have a lot of artifacts. If you want to 3D print it, like you'll probably have to get rid of some stuff. If you right. need, if you want to modify it, then you have but to, like, unless you want to print exactly what you scan, you still need some CAD knowledge to actually do anything with it. Yeah, but I don't this think you where, will. Right. In the future, you won't. Yeah. In the future, yeah. it'll be like, take a picture, boom. Actually, you know what? In the future, it won't even be 3D printing. Right? I don't think 3D printing is the future, like, the way that it currently is. Like, I think in the future, it pooping out... Uh, the res like the PLA or whatever isn't going to be the the future, and the resin isn't going to be the future. It's going to be something different, some different way of actually like Star Trek materializing the object, so that you mm-hmm. can have multiple, uh, like you can have plastic and metal and wood being materialized into the object. Okay, let, mm-hmm. let's try and keep it at our timeline. <laughs> It's funny though, even in like uh, Westworld, which is like a futuristic, Mm. like way off in the future, they still are showing essentially our current version of 3D printing to produce like the horses and everything in the title sequence. Yeah. Right. But that's because some people don't have an imagination. (laughs) Well, I mean, Star Trek existed before Westworld, so they definitely had the source material. And I feel like, I feel like it just feels more realistic though, like using things that we have now. Like Westworld's meant to give this impression of like, it's something that could happen now. I feel. Yeah. Gotcha. But I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I can see, I can definitely see 3d scanning becoming a big thing for 3d printing, but I, it's, I have never looked into it. I assume that 3d scanners would be expensive. No. Well, with the newest iPhone, you can 3d scan and you can use it and 3d print from it. Um, really, and I'm sure there's yes. ones on the cheaper end. Like I think it's, I think the same oh. thing is happening with them as which is happening to 3D printers that they're just getting cheaper and. That, well, that's stuff. that's exactly where I was going with that. Is that, like that? I feel like that's going to be the next sort of upgrade from a 3D printer. You can um, 3D scan with an Xbox Connect, and you have been able to for years now, and those are not yeah. very expensive. Yeah, but that that takes like time and knowledge to make that work. I, I mean, like a True. physical thing out of the that box you go solution. buy out of the box solution. Yeah. So, or even a 3D printer that you sit the thing on the printer and it'll scan it and then take the thing off and it'll print it. I don't know. Yeah. So they have definitely have 3D scanners that are way better, that are really expensive, that people yeah. use for like the appropriate reasons. But uh, in reality right now, most of the time, unless you're looking at things that are like faces, a lot of the times... You can model it faster, right? Oh, it's like, the same with anything. I, c- okay. I can make a lot of things faster than my CNC could. Right, but what I'm saying with the 3D scan versus doing it yourself, you're not you're taking all that time to do something that you could have done on the model. Precisely, it's all the workload, and that, that's so, the whole thing with the CNC 3D printer is you're taking you can do something else while that's doing it. I'll try and finish my sentence, and then we can. Sorry, <laughs> stop interrupting. So with the th- with the three D scan, you're right now not able to get something perfectly out there. You still need the CAD knowledge. So yeah, you're gonna need. Yeah. In the future, it's gonna be like you said. Pop it in there; it pops out. But I actually think when we talk about technology, and, and I think three D printers aren't even on the. The biggest thing, it's literally going to be batteries. And it's not going to be batteries. It's going to be what I think is drawing power directly from stuff around you. You don't need a battery. It just draws power from mm. the air. Nikola Tesla style. Mm. 
before that, I reckon we'll have like um, wireless charging stuff. So like you put your put your drill down while you're not using it as wireless charging. Yeah, I don't know why that's not technology yet, actually, because that sounds genius. Yeah, I th- million I dollar idea. Any, I wonder if any tool companies have that, like wireless charging for twenty volts. It's got to be a thing, right? Like, or oh, it seems. That's got to be the next thing for batteries. Like, yeah, that'd be amazing that you just put your drill down on your workbench and it starts charging. I, that must be so, in the works. The oh, wireless man. charging stuff is uh, really expensive right now because of regulations. Mm. So it, to get something, that's why you'll see a lot of this, like Ethan and uh, Vincent on, because we make, we're talking about a coffee mug they have that could oh, the be one that keeps it hot? charging. Yeah, but it's not because it's way more expensive to make something that's wireless. I've seen them wireless uh, charging. Yeah. Uh, what? The coffee mugs. I've seen coffee mugs that are wireless charging. The coffee mugs are... Yeah. Apparently, they're not. They're apparently just... You just sit it on a coaster and it keeps it You have to put it in the right spot. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, the coaster has a thing. Yeah. Like it has a tiny plug. Have you guys seen those Mm -hmm. online ads for like desktop cnc laser 3d printer in one yeah yeah, all those those things so i think those look silly however one of my things i wish for the most when it comes to like home digital fabrication is being able to like work with nicer materials and produce it in a quick manner so i think something in that vein i don't know if the market is there to make it happen but i would love to see that happen just either like 3d print quicker from nicer materials, cheaper laser cutter that like you don't need to worry about venting so much. So maybe like HEPA filters become more prolific um, with like less expensive to use with 3d printers. Um, Cause I always think about like, I want to design some sort of like 3d printed fashion item or, or something like that, like some nice feeling thing, but it's really hard to achieve that just through 3d printing because you have plastic in the end and like plastic right. doesn't, feel very nice so some and way plastic. to like you know sorry quickly at home produce something with metal like i know cnc metal benders exist but you know that's an industrial tool um well, so I, I don't know what like milling but cnc is it's so loud like it's not something you could do in an apartment well, my cnc what? is pretty quiet it's the dust extraction that's loud i don't know even the i don't know what I, I don't, I haven't heard your CNC in person, but like we have a nomad, the, um, shape Oko desktop CNC at work. And I could not run that in my apartment. Like you would hear it through the whole house. Yeah. May, maybe not, maybe not an apartment, but if I close the door to my garage, I can't hear it inside the house and it's right on the wall. That's inside the interior wall of the house. Um, but in saying that, what, what, um, motor are you running on it? Is it a, um, like a router or is it a, like, can you turn down? the speed it's a good question i'm I'm not sure i mean it was just cutting hdpe so it wasn't it wasn't maxing out by any means yeah because it because if i set mine to like the top speed i it's really loud but it usually sits on two out of six um for the work that i do and i can't hear it right Mm. the other thing is you could get a quieter motor yeah they don't do it because they don't need to you could also put it in an enclosure right like they don't they could, they definitely can make it quieter because there are quieter tools out there. But why would they when they know it's going into a workshop? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And There's I, definitely I, ways you can make it work in an apartment. True. And like if you trust those ads, the technology exists. You can buy for a thousand bucks some desktop fab, fully enclosed little CNC <laughs> with like a three inch by three inch cutting area. I yeah. like the idea of an all in one. So the, the um, CNC that I have, you can buy a laser attachment for it, but the laser attachment is not powerful enough to cut, only engrave. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, well like I, CNC in itself is, is like when you say CNC, like a cricket is a CNC. A router CNC, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. So you could have a laser, a laser is a CNC. Yeah. Right. Like you can have them. CNC just everyone says it means a router, but it, I yeah, just yeah, think yeah. it's funny. Thank Anyways, you. Let's talk more about Grant. the future. 
No, because he's like, oh, I could get a, a laser for it. Well, you could definitely mount any laser you want to it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, saying saying just means um, computerized numeric control or something. All right, I mean, but so just you, to finish that that topic, you feasibly could mount a laser onto any CNC gantry, but there's a lot of like aspects of a CNC or of a laser enclosure that makes it work yeah. a lot better, like having be able to move the bed up and down to set the focus of and course. fume extraction, the UV blocking. I was going to say like, fume extraction is probably wouldn't. the biggest thing. Yeah. I, I don't think you would <laughs> actually want to mount a laser on like a run of the mill. Hmm. Well, yeah. It, moving the bed up and down, you can move the router up. Or the, well, that, that's right? the thing with the that CNC. Yeah. That's how it works on my CNC. Yeah. Is you just okay. move okay, the sure. Z axis up and down. But, but anyways, in the future, in the year 2000, for Conan listeners from the 90s. Um, anyways, in... The, Where is this going? This, that joke fell flat because you guys are both too young. Um, in the future, do you think hand tools will still play a part? Yes, I do. There's the, with the, in saying that, there's things that hand tools need to be used for like if you if you're going to put a screw into drywall and use a drill so is your question so your question if i understand it correctly is really in the future is everything going to be prefabricated probably digitally and then you just assemble it in the field without the need for assembly tools maybe or you're you're gonna have a CNC uh, slash laser slash three D printer that's large enough to produce full on stuff, right? Mm. Or are we gonna to get to the point where you have a robot that does everything for you? I can I can definitely see a point in the future where everything's just three D printed, whether that be with different materials. Like no, but I mean once you have the technology to print like wood well you would have wood fiber pla and stuff but once you get to that i feel like um a lot of stuff will definitely be cnc'd in a way be that laser or or whatever there's there's even a there's people out there that are 3d printing houses I mean, it's all about scaling and like, is there a market push for it? Like we have a lot of wood, we have a lot of concrete. I mean, I don't want to be like the naysayer for futurism, but like, I don't really see those things being replaced maybe ever. Um, I mean, there's so much amazing manufacturing technology currently that I don't exist. Like, do you ever just pick up like a factory made product and look at it and be like, how did, how did they make this? Like in a factory setting, like even just like some like plastic things that like, maybe aren't injected molded, but I mean, the process is currently for mass producing items is like, is pretty insane. I'm more think of how do they do it? So cheap. I, I understand like labor. bulk. <laughs> yeah. And I understand bulk buying and, and all that sort of stuff. But like there's that many things I've gone to make and gone, I can buy it cheaper than I can buy the materials. Yeah. But, well, underpaid then, labor. I, I throw I throw this back to you though, Grant. People are still using tools from sixteen, seventeen hundreds right. that have interest right. for that. So I feel like people will definitely be using tools from today, two hundred, three hundred years from now. Oh, that's actually a better question. My question was just to try and strum up some discourse. But will do you think the tools of today, meaning the three D printers of today, the CNCs of today? the lasers of today will be useful or is it, will they be like the drill of 50 years ago? The hand drill mm. that you guys all, where it's just worse. I feel like it's they'll just be the, so much worse. I feel like the latter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but specifically because of my point that I was making last episode or a few episodes ago, if things aren't made to last these days, like it, like yeah. you buy a four hundred dollar three D printer, it's not made to last a hundred years. It's made to last a few years, and then you go buy another one. Right. Maybe well, if you buy if like you a twenty thousand dollar three D printer, maybe. Right. So w- when we when we start comparing those, it's really hard to compare because there's been a race to the bottom of quality, right? And that's yes. 
so you can get stuff so cheap because there's there's a there's someone willing to make a cheaper, shittier version. Yes. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I don't know if I think one of the another reason that things are seemingly produced at lesser quality now is because we know more about what parts require quality and where quality can be skimped on. So if yeah. you trust the engineers for certain products, like just because a, a bridge now is built less bulky than a bridge 200 years ago, it's not because they're skimping out on materials. Well, they are, but they're skimping out on materials because they can, because they know the bridge will yeah. be equally as safe. I mean, where they used to build Gothic cathedrals, they would build it as high as they can. And if it fell down, they'd be like, well, I guess we did something wrong. And then they would try to build a new one. And it was just trial and error and, and overbuilding. Well, even to take it to the bridges, like bridges used to be made out of wood. Now they make them out of metal, so they don't have to use as much material. Yeah. So, I know, mean, I look at advances- my printer and I think about like, yes, there are plastic components to it, but the wear parts are all metal. So, mm-hmm. you know, like some things can be plastic and it's, and it's going to be okay. So plastic lasts don't have a really cheapest. long time. I know, but I'm not, I think we've all agreed that talking about the cheapest tool is like a non-starter. Like, of course those things aren't going to last. But if we're talking about like, if we're talking about quality tools, which I mean, they made crap back in the day too. It didn't last. That's why we don't see it anymore. So if you look at a hundred year old printing press, right, it's all made of metal. So it's going to rust, but it's going to last. If you look at my 3d printer, the plastic parts that aren't wear parts are probably going to last as well because plastic takes a million years to biodegrade. No, it doesn't biodegrade. It photodegrades. It never biodegrades ever. That's the problem with plastic. There you go. If you but keep it, it in a shady down. area. Yeah. But metal breaks down as well. I mean, eventually a printing press will be a pile of rust. Yes. Oh, I thought you said, yeah. Okay. I heard 3d printer will be a pile of rust. I'm like, but it's plastic. Um, Actually, let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Do you see any advances in material? Because I feel like, well, we have what wood, plastic, metal are like the main ones. What else could there be? Like, can they combine stuff? Plastic didn't exist a hundred years ago. Exactly. My point. So like, for instance, say the the bed on your 3D printer has to be metal because it needs to heat up. Yeah. I mean, if you have a heated bed. If we just talk about the bed of my 3D printer, like the material science there is amazing. Like I have two, sh- I have two steel sheets for it. One of which is coated in PEI, which basically like allows the 3D print to adhere when it's hot, but when it cools, you can just flex it and it snaps off and it lasts yep. for a really long time. And the other one is textured and basically the texture of the plate holds the print in place. And just the material science of those alone is, is amazing. Um, so I mean, in I saying that, yeah, do you think there could be a plastic eventually that could do that same job? Has like a higher heat um, tolerance that could but do. Why the same a plastic? Job. Why not? I'm, like I'm just saying, new material that doesn't no, exactly exactly my point though. Some, something that's cheaper and and more easier for them to manufacture than metal. Well, I mean, think? steel is infinitely recyclable so i don't think there's a real downside to using it from steel it has a it has a plastic coating on it so so that's fine when you talk about like advances in materials one of the first thing that comes to mind for me is like rare earth metals like which we are approaching a crisis point in like to manufacture electronics and batteries like you need cobalt you need all these rare you need these metals that are difficult to mine and increasingly in hard quantities across the world so i think the first thing that's going to happen is like batteries and electronics are become much more expensive or humans will destroy the environment trying to mine for them at the bottom of the ocean Mm -hmm. or battery recycling and electronic recycling will accelerate and like you'll have to do it because there'll be no other way to produce all the electronics that people want so i think that's going to be like the pressing issue over plastics you go with the what grant is suggesting which is stuff powered via like a transformer wireless charging are both powered in the air right like it doesn't have to be touching that's i don't don't know how i feel about living in a world where electricity can charge things just floating in the air what is that going to do to my body 
Well, you live in a world where you carry your cell phone in your pocket and you're surrounded by electromagnetic radiation all the yeah, time. Yeah, but it's, for it to charge my phone, it would have to be a lot stronger of currents running through the air. Or I don't know. I'm not an electrical engineer. I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a microwave. It's probably not the same as that. <laughs> in fact, I know it's, it's not because microwave, you know, microwaves, they're very, very short waves. They can only travel very short distance and you they wouldn't be able to get to you from all around you yeah right so that's where i think instead of thinking about different ways to make the same thing again like there's been di- like dozens and dozens of different types of batteries over time and rechargeable batteries like when i started in the hobby industry nicads were the thing and then nickel model hydrates came about because they didn't get a memory and they still got a memory and then lithium polymer came about now it's lithium ion, right? So all these different uh, battery technologies yeah. in my lifetime have come around. But when I think about that, I go, and one day it's going to be not batteries. Because one in one day, it batteries didn't exist and it was a, a wire. And that was the only way, right? Yeah. And now we've got batteries. And I really think there's going to be something that takes it away from there. I agree. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in all likelihood what's going to happen. I mean, we keep discovering new things. Like hydrogen cars are not using batteries. Yeah. Right. It's just the arithmetic of producing the energy for them is not doesn't really work out in a. You start. I'm just saying there are examples of things using electric motors that don't use batteries. Yeah. Imagine, imagine a laptop that doesn't use a battery. doesn't need to be plugged in. Yeah. But what, so what do you think would be, it's going to be a hard question, but what do you think would be the next big tool that's not yet invented? Hmm. Like, cause you know, I think we never had 3d printers hundred years ago. We didn't have CNC's. We didn't have, what's the other one? Laser cutters. Can we open this conversation to include film and photos? Sure. Because I think there's a lot of really fast innovation that's happening there. And it, it might open the floodgates a little bit. Also, so I also will have- say, sorry, I was going to say, we can also say that um, you can use material that's already available. So I don't know if you guys saw Jimmy Duresta's story today, but he was using that like Insta 360 camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, like, I think you have it on a stick or something, but you can't actually, it, I don't know how it works, but you can't see where it's mounted, but you can see all around it. So it's almost like it's floating in midair. Um, and yep. I just think about small cameras that allow you to film things where like you weren't really able to easily do it before. Hmm. So, I don't know if you've ever been in a newer... I've only ever seen it in a BMW, but I'm sure it's across lots of different platforms. But when they go into like reverse mode, the camera pops up and shows a 360 of the car. Yeah. So, I mean, heaps of of cars do that. And I have... Even... I think Teslas do it too. Like, how... I don't know. I don't understand how. I don't understand how either. But (laughs) it has... It's the same sort of technology... Yeah. That, uh, that Morley was just talking about. It's literally like a drone is flying over the car. Yeah. It's so weird. That's what gets me. Not that you have like all these cameras that show the different angles. It's like literally an overhead shot of the car. That's where I get yeah. confused. So I, I never understood whether or not it's actually taking the pictures or if it knows from the computer. Yeah. Like if you were to paint your car, would it still show up as like having a the old color roof? Or does it no, but it is no, it is a live feed though. I understand it's a live feed around the car. Yeah. Oh, the it, roof. It, right. Right. The roof. The mm. roof. The roof is on fire. That's um, a good point, actually. So I don't know how that works, but I'm sure <laughs> someone uh, much smarter than me knows. But yeah. You know, I think cameras have gotten even smaller and smaller. Like yep. I have a camera well, that I've used to like go into a piston uh like in the spark plug hole. And yep. that camera is like fifteen years old. 
So mm-hmm. I'm sure they have like, like I guess surgeons use tiny cameras to go in veins. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, they have cameras in tablets now, don't they? You just like swallow a tablet. There's a camera in there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think so. But you, even even to go on the photography of like camera route, iPhones and most Samsung, well, Samsung have better cameras than iPhone, but iPhones and Samsungs these days, like they're just as good as a DSLR. They just don't have like the same, like the lens capabilities and all sort of stuff, but like the quality of the pictures are just as good as a standard DSLR. Totally. So mm-hmm. I want to go with a completely different thing. And I want to say the next big technology I think is going to happen is constructing things in space mm. because you won't have to deal with gravity and that'll make things Ooh. different things like possible so are you picturing like we launch supplies and people into space they get built in space and then brought back down to earth to use maybe or Wasn't trying to ma- built in space to be used in space i don't know Imagine trying to make a table and it just floats there so you can float all underneath it and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's always that's amazing that's looking at like, yeah. it's always amazing looking at like the International Space Station and like other satellites and just, they don't make structural sense from like a gravity perspective. Like things look like they shouldn't stay together. Everything looks way too delicate because you don't have to worry about gravity. Right. So like when we think about like, I don't know. I just think there's something there. I don't know what it is, but I yeah. think there's something. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think it would be great. I think the a huge barrier is the cost of launching things into space, which is getting a lot cheaper. Like I think over the past few years is like there's been more and more private satellite companies. Actually, Planet Money did a great series a couple of years ago where they launched their own satellite into space through a, a private satellite company. And they kind of just like documented the whole journey and how much it cost and what that whole process was like. I, I don't know how many, you know, rocket launchers there are a day or a week now, but it's a lot more than it used to be. Hmm. I, so, in oh. saying that about space, I feel like we're going to get to a point where we're going to start um, digging, right? Like, and find material that we don't have on earth. There's got to be. Did you watch Don't Look Up? I have not um, because I've heard a lot of mixed reviews and I don't know if I want to go through the whole two and a half to three hours of movie. You should watch it. It's fantastic. I just Um, seen all the, all the screenshots of the camera crew. So in terms of launching into space to go back, it's 10 times less expensive today than it was a decade ago. Mm -hmm. So visual capitalist, did a graph basically showing the amount of money per kilogram to get something into space. And it is pretty darn low right now. Yeah. And you know, I think it'll come down to incentives. Like right now there's a big incentive to get more internet satellites into space. And I don't know, at a certain point, like, are we going to have enough satellites? Are they going to decide that, we need to keep investing money in this or is the focus going to go elsewhere? Like, I don't really think space tourism will become at least in our lifetimes accessible or, or widespread. So I don't think that's going to drive it. Really? I definitely think think in our lifetime it'll become accessible. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I could see you going into space. Like William Shatner went into space, right? Like, but he's a millionaire. No, and I don't even know if he had to pay or not. They probably did it for for the thing, but it doesn't really but matter the what co- I'm saying. The cost. He does not look like the picture of health that you used to need to be when True. you were on the Saturn rockets, right? Like yeah. It used to be the you used to need to be a perfect picture of health to get in there. Well, the perfect there. picture of health for 1960s, like it's meaning wow, you still yeah. smoked every day and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> got no exercise. Well, no, I think the, the, the astronauts needed to be uh, athletic. True. They still smoke the a lot though. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Smoking's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 
space. I think if we're talking about like, you know, tool technology, things that we use, innovation, something I keep coming back to in my head is like user interface and making some of these tools more just accessible to use. Like my 3D printer has like this really cheap, I don't know if it's cheap, but it's a very basic LCD screen on it. Maybe eventually a 3D printer will have integrated modeling um, inside of it. But the other kind of side of the coin, which is really interesting, is that kids now, in at least in Canada, are learning 3D modeling and computer coding in school. Like whereas when I was in high school, like maybe those were electives, um, you by no means had to take them. But it's becoming more and more common for kids to learn these things. So if they're learning 3D modeling at a younger age, there might not actually be a push to make 3D modeling more intuitive because you're going to have this whole generation that just learned how to do it in school. The same way coding, you know, code, there's block coding, um, there's teaching tools and things for kids. But as a whole, coding is still a relatively high barrier to entry. It's not like everyone can easily code a website or an application. Right. Yeah. Even with the coding that's available today that is so much easier to code in than the yeah. coding that was available. Bring back MySpace. And, and then My, eight, MySpace think, was our code learning. How do you mean? Did you never have... Are you, are you too young for MySpace? No, I know MySpace, but just talk me through how you learned coding through MySpace. So, so with MySpace, everything had to be done through HTML. You had to... Like, if you wanted to add a song to your homepage so it played when someone came on you had to put the code in yourself for it to do that stuff like Mm -hmm. that yeah yeah which is cool and html is a good language but you're not programming web applications in html so i think kind of what i'm more referring to is like if kids if if it becomes integrated into the education system there probably won't be it probably won't move very fast into becoming widespread design amazing things in cad with your brain for everyone well, and I'll agree with you, even though I don't want this to happen, because I look at my <laughs> keyboard and I look at it and go, they d- they developed a keyboard when it was a typewriter and they've kept the same thing forever and have mm-hmm. not tried to innovate it. And even when they have like text to speech is only now becoming slightly usable. And if you get messages from Adam, you know, it's not. Um <laughs> Have Is that fat why fingers you're doing typos? Because right? you're using text to speech. No, it's because I have fat fingers. Oh, and I don't. I don't check it before I, I type and click send in like one thing. Very, I don't check it. Very so when I think about the keyboard, I think about it and go, they they could innovate this and they don't because it's so mm-hmm. widely done. And I think that might happen with the user interfaces that you're talking about because the keyboard's a user interface. I feel like with a keyboard, it's like. If you were to change a keyboard, it would screw up a lot of people. Right. Like, especially people that, like, I know how yeah, I can type so pretty fast. Or like on a laptop, I can type pretty fast. If you changed around my keyboard, I would have a lot of trouble trying to write, like, trying to type. Right. It's funny. One of the things I was looking at before we had this episode was, like, what are some of the projects on Kickstarter right now that are getting a lot of traction? And one of them is, like, an ergonomic keyboard. Um, I don't think it'll be widespread usage, but it's just funny that that's like, it is one of the, what do you mean by ergonomics? So it's ergonomic keyboard is already a thing. It's another ergonomic keyboard. It's, it's split into two parts. It's kind of shaped around your hand. Um, yeah, that's already a thing. No, it's like, you need to go look at it to see why you might be, we'll put a link in the thing. Don't just go. It's already a thing. It's, you haven't even seen it. God damn it. Conversation over. <laughs> you need to yes and a little bit more. Okay. Um, so with the keyboards, there there has actually been better designed keyboards. Yeah. That like a Dvorak. Yeah. But it's kind of like when you look at like Sony VHS versus Beta. Beta was better in every way, but it didn't take off. Now, it's obviously old technology, so it doesn't matter. But So here's a tech in the future question for you guys. Do you think cars are going to continue to get more and more integrated computers and electronics? Or do you think I they'll ever kind of 
taper off and go back. I hope they taper off and go back because we've gotten... The only thing I'll say is they've gotten so integrated. If it becomes a self-driving car, I don't understand why you would even need it. I think it should be nothing, right? And you should, if it's a self-driving car, bring your own goddamn laptop. Like I shouldn't, my car shouldn't have a laptop available to me, right? Like I should bring my own thing the same way I go on the train and I bring my own, like, if I want to use my laptop or my phone, I have it. I don't like I've, I drove in my brother's car. We were playing a game while we we're driving along the road <laughs> on his car, on his car. And I'm like, this wow. is ridiculous. Yeah. It's like it in self-drive mode. When you guys go on planes, do you use the like in flight entertainment on the back of the seat or do you use your own device? Depends. My own device. I mean, I'll use the in-flight entertainment because they just have more movies than I have. When we went to Fiji, I used the in-flight entertainment. When I went to Queensland, which is a one-hour flight, I just watched my phone. Actually, actually, no, going to Fiji, I mixed between them both. The only thing I use it for is as soon as I get down, I switch it to the, like, plane over top of the map. Mm, Me too. And then I just leave it at that. And then I won't like even now with like the way better. Like I remember when it was like you had to watch whatever was on, but I just hate I'm watching a movie and then the captain comes on and tells we're going to hit some turbulence and your movie pauses and you're like, <sighs> right. I, I didn't want it to pause. Wow. <laughs> I was so immersed in Dunkirk and then you just come on and do that. Um, we'll move on in a second. I just want to say, I think with technology, we're going to go away from blades. In like stuff. any, like a saw blade at all. Yeah. Like I know Jimmy Duress has looked into it, like putting a laser into a bandsaw or even made a laser bandsaw. But I feel like we're going to go away from that sort of stuff and having like maybe lasers or something, but a way to cut things without a spinning blade. You know, what would be, fantastic is an at-home edm machine so edm manufacturing electric discharge manufacturing it's kind of like a hot wire foam cutter but it can like cut through metal and that would be a very cool way to make some like really nice stuff at home yeah yeah getting rid of those moving parts i think it'd be great interesting yeah solid state making that's the name of this episode (laughs) (laughs) Um, thinking of speaking of moving parts, uh, things that have a lot of moving parts are our Patreons, and I want to thank our Patreon supporters, <laughs> uh, our F level F clamp level supporters: Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking and Vincent Ferrari from Because We Make. Anyone who supports us on Patreon gets access to the pre-show and after-show. We had an interesting pre-show today. Um, so, if you, and also gets a keychain made by our one and only Molly Kurt. And you can support us at patreon.com forward slash clamp. And let's move on to clampmendations. Clampmendations. All right, my clampmendation this week is going to be a YouTuber called Mimeo. Um, My mate and I just really got into a video game called Rust, which is like a survival game. And he makes really good videos on Rust. Is Rust the one that you're like start on an island? Yeah, you start off naked and you yeah. you have a you have a rock and a torch. And yes, yeah. I so when the beta came out, I almost It's so good. Yeah, it looked really, really good, but then I also yeah. went, I have other things I want to do. And I don't yeah. on, like I, I don't have the time available that I know I will put into this. Well the problem is it's a massive PvP game. So like you have yes. to be on a lot like not a lot like i go on every day at work for like an hour before i start my shift and um just to make sure that like everything's okay because people will raid your base and you will lose all your shit yeah so and this yeah. is why i'm so glad i didn't do it yeah i i remember hearing about that in high school and i was like oh that sounds like the coolest game ever that's like everything i wanted out of a game <laughs> but my computer was not powerful enough to run it. So I never actually yeah. like, ended up playing it. Well, it's so one of the things that they do is that every, every server is different. There's like multiple servers across the world and whatever. Some are weekly, but out the server we play on every month, it gets wiped. Like everyone loses everything. 
and you have to start again from scratch. And when I, we've only been playing it for two weeks and then the server wiped this morning. And like when I first heard about that, I'm like, that is really crap. Like you just lose everything. Like what's the point? But then I thought about it and I was like, actually, no, it sort of makes the game like not so boring because you have to restart. And then you start like every time you restart, it's going to be different. The map changes to a different map and it sort of keeps that like refresh every, every month, which is cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. All right. So for my recommendation this week, uh, gyms opened back up in Ontario, which has been really nice because in December we got a gym membership and then within two weeks it was closed down. So we're getting into a groove and then unfortunately we're torn right out of our groove. But, um, I went today and I was going through Spotify for some good lifting music and one of my favorite rappers, Denzel Curry, uh, just came out with a new single that's super good. It's called Walkin'. And I feel like among rappers, he's someone who's really evolved a lot. He's kind of like he had the song Ultimate that you might have heard in like Vines back in the day because it was popular when Vine was out before TikTok. Um, and there's a lot of just like really hyped up stuff. And I think he's he's gotten a lot more like introspective in his work and a lot more like nuanced. And it's, it's like a very good song. Um, so if you like rap, if you like rap and you don't listen to Denzel Curry, I don't know what you're doing, but um, Denzel Curry is, is doing really good stuff. He's out of Florida. I saw him in Montreal. It was the wildest concert I've ever been to. Wow. Wow. It's Florida. So my <laughs> Florida. Florida, my recommendation this week is uh, smarter. Every day did a video called YouTube is changing. I did it like in December of 2021, but uh, I only watched it now because I don't generally watch uh, big names. I try and stick to the little guys, give them the, the support, but I wanted to, somebody recommended that I watch it. So I did. Um, and he was talking a lot about how YouTube is getting longer and longer com- content, which is everyone's been noticing it. And he looked at his videos and his videos have been getting longer and longer and longer. Um, and then he said, you know, on the other end, they're also pushing shorts. So they're trying to get this short, short com- content. And one of the things that I really liked about the video was he talked about how YouTube was the only uh, social media that had been like rated as having a positive mental health across, like, you know, Hmm. overall, there's some negativity about it, obviously, but overall YouTube had positive uh, scores. And he said, he's hoping that shorts don't change that because, you know, they're a lot like, Instagram, he, on unlike the making it people, actually compared shorts to uh, reels and TikTok. Uh, and, uh, and the other thing he talked about is trying to not lose your voice. And I thought that was really important because he said, you know, he's, I don't think he, I think he's going to, he was saying like, I'm not going to do shorts because that's not my voice. But he also said, don't you lose your voice because you're chasing the views and not chasing what you want to make. I thought that was really important. Obviously, coming from someone who gets a million views on every video, it's a lot, you know, and 10 million subscribers, it's really hard to, to you know, be 100% behind that and, and get it. It's like, you know, rich people say, well, just money, money doesn't buy happiness. You go, well, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't uh, for you. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I, I think about a lot is I think about, my voice in making videos that I want to make and not making videos that I think everyone in the world would want to watch. Right. You just got to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Sure. Cool. Um, Well, usually Molly would read a review now, but we don't have one. So I'm going to do my Australian word of the week. Australian slang of the week. Um, Hopefully you don't know this one, but my slang of the week is hard yakker. Hard yakker? Yeah. Someone who talks a lot. I would. Someone who throws up a lot. 
No, that's a good guess, but no, that's not blowing uh, chunder. Blowing chunder. Yeah, Yaka is Y A K K A, and it's actually a um, brand of clothing here for tradies. Hard Yaka is is someone who. It's not someone like. Is it like a really like manly man? Oh, it's not someone. No, I don't know what it is. Then go. It's literally just hard work. Oh, okay. I was I was in the ballpark. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I want to thank TF for turning for our theme music, including the new theme music. Um, we also, I don't know if anyone knows this, but in our show notes, we have links to TF turning every week to thank him for our music. So you should go give him a follow and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to search Clampcast. Um, maybe on YouTube, you have to search Clampcast, Adam, Grant, and Molly for it to show up. And we're almost at 100 subscribers. We're at like 72 or 73. So another 20-odd, and we can get our custom URL. Whew. So be sure to subscribe to us on there. And we're going to we'll sell out next week. 100. We're going to start doing crazy stuff. Yep. 100 subscribers on YouTube, and I will show a nipple. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.